2: Hello and welcome back to episode 27 of the Red Sox On Deck podcast. I'm your host, Bob Osgood, and joining me this week after one week hiatus, we've got Shelly straight back. Shelley, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, the Red Sox is still kind of like competing here. Um, the, the, you know, the minors system that we're about to look into this week is is, you know, looking pretty good. Um, Yeah, but I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Bob?
2: I'm doing well. I absolutely love this time of year, you know, mixing in a little bit of football but still focusing 95% on baseball just with so much going on every day. It's hard to keep track of, but you're right. I mean, there's nothing better than playing important games in September and whether the Red Sox make the playoffs or they don't or they get into a one-game wild card. A woohooer!
0: a hand clap a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
2: It's just good to have big games, and each of these, you know, I'm trying to keep my eyes open at 11 o'clock midnight on the west coast that doesn't always work out but uh just they're all somehow you look at those standings and it's tampa bay and then three teams that are eight games back (laughs) identical records essentially with the Sox having played two more games and then baltimore is about 78 and a half back uh or somewhere close to that so just fascinating look at the standings you don't see that very often a three-way tie with teams all in the same division and I don't know. You have to think that that series uh, that starts a week from Friday that's going to be at Fenway, three games against the Yankees, one way or another is going to decide uh, how this all falls.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's
1: my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I really wish that we had some of the, you know, I really wish that we would, uh, you know, face the, uh, baltimore orioles a little bit more down the stretch but it's gonna be fun no matter you know no matter who we face it's it's extremely exciting
2: yeah well we're gonna be seeing baltimore again soon fortunately so we can mix some of those in mix some interleague games in. uh it's gonna be interesting not often that you get i think they have five interleague games the last couple weeks of the season which is I don't know, not really the scheduling that I would have preferred. I'd like to see all division games. We do see a good amount of division games down the stretch, so I think I'm glad they're not playing Toronto anymore. They're absolutely terrifying right now, <laughs> seeing uh, 11 runs in one inning and 18 another day, and it's just, I don't know. I have a feeling that that wild card game might be in Canada, depending on who plays them, so we'll see. am going to get into some MLB transactions, some minor league news, um, some minor league performances from the past week or two. We thank Keaton for stepping in last week and we talked about some minor league performances with him. A couple players that we referenced with him uh, have kind of had some updates from there, but we're also going to talk about a few players that haven't come up in a couple of months that are pretty exciting and have had some exciting performances recently and some not so exciting performances recently. Um, So Starting things off, uh, just some maintenance and reminders. If you can leave us a five-star rating and review, if you enjoy the show, or if you enjoy any of the over the monster podcasts, uh, please do that on whichever platform you listen to. We have this show, the on deck podcast. We have the over the monster pod with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner, the red seat with Jake Devereaux and Keaton DeRocher and the precap that Shelly does along with Keaton, uh, starting off with some transactions and debuts that have happened over the last week. Um, Connor Siebold on the 11th was called up for the first time. And he had over two levels in the minors earlier in the season, been 2-3 and three with a 3.61 ERA, had 56 strikeouts in 47 innings, and notably it had a couple of really excellent outings uh, that we talked about last week and I think we talked about the week before, wondering when we might see him. And really it was a, a kind of, it didn't really fit in terms of him being called up before last week because he had thrown the day before a couple of different COVID outbreaks that they had had. But, um, I don't know, Shelley, did you have any thoughts on Connor Seabold's debut? He threw three innings, gave up three hits, two runs, had two walks, didn't strike out any batters, but held his own. Uh, it wasn't given, he was given a short leash against a tough Chicago White Sox lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really, I really felt bad for him. Like that was his like his major league debut against the White Sox, who has an absolutely lethal uh, lineup. But yeah, he, like you said, he held his own. Uh, sadly, he didn't strike anyone out, but he really limited the hits and everything like that. Um, he went three innings. That is a totally fine, you know, debut for a guy like Haney yeah. Seabold. Um I I I'm really excited to see what he does if he gets any more run like in the late in the season. I I am excited to watch. I don't know if he will uh because a lot of guys have are coming back from the COVID IL, but just knowing how much time that he missed from injury and then just building back up this start against some type of lineup like the White Sox. I thought it was. I thought it was okay. I. I, I was not displeased.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he really didn't. Th- he only threw forty three pitches, so it was hard to totally evaluate. And he didn't have a strikeout, but there was a pitch late in the third inning where he threw absolutely beautiful. I think it was a changeup on the inner half that was just the perfect pitch. Uh, got the lower half of the strike zone and the up didn't call it. And it was just, it seemed like robbery to me that he had to go home without his first career strikeout when he made a perfect pitch. Actually ended up getting out of it with a double play later that at bat. Um, And I thought that they would give him another inning, especially with how short they were, but probably uh, Cora was happy with getting three innings out of him and just kind of going with that. It was uh, all of those, each of the six games on the road in Chicago and Seattle were so many one-run games and walk-offs and extra innings and it was just I don't know I mean that was I I think Cora really enjoys that I think he loves managing in these late season games where he has to decide you know moves on the fly pinch hitting which reliever he's going to bring in when I mean be interested to see if he starts pulling what he did in the, the playoffs a few years ago and uses starters and relief on their off day if it gets to like a must-win situation so um, it's been interesting to watch that but you see the same thing with Houck yesterday it was the soon as they got to that 19th batter that first batter the third time through the order he was out of the dugout in the fifth inning so I wasn't too shocked to see a short leash with Siebel Um, the only thing that worried me a little bit looking at his baseball savant pages. Average fastball was 90.5 miles per hour. And I know that he has frequently been in the mid nineties. So I hope that, you know, that's just kind of a coming back after some injuries and with the short season last year, you wonder if some arms are starting to break down a little bit, but 90.5 in the fastball didn't really seem like what I was hoping to see from Siebel, but I thought some of his, his secondary stuff was pretty decent. So like you said, overall, uh, I think it was fine. He looked like he at least belonged there. Um, moving on, the other debut, not a whole lot to talk about, is with uh, Caleb Ort, who was 29 years old, and we'd mentioned him earlier in the year. As I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I know that he had at least 10 outings of shutout ball early in the season and had quite a few saves and seemed like a possibility when they needed an arm but he wasn't on the 40 man he ended up getting called up uh just faced a couple of batters had a hit and a walk and got one out um but was throwing about 96 miles an hour on his fastball with an 84 mile an hour slider and not a whole lot to take away but just wanted to note that uh that Ort did make his debut as well And in terms of a major league transaction coming up, we have Chris Sale coming back from the COVID IL. That is anticipated. We don't know 100%, but on Friday, hoping to see him make his return. Um, I don't know, Shelly, how much you've kind of looked at, I've seen quite a bit of people looking ahead at the schedule, especially since we're in the last, what, 17, 18 days. And... There are several off days. I think that there's three or four off days over the next two weeks. Um, do you think... How do you think they'll handle Chris Sale? Do you think they might try to go for those four starts in the remaining 14 games? Or do you think they'll kind of continue to handle him with kid gloves as they have, giving him an f- extra day every chance that they get?
1: <laughs> um, this is honestly... Uh, when you put this question on the pre this is like a really difficult question. Honestly, I yeah. think it depends on how how uh, the games go and like, his first couple starts. Because if we're still competitive, if, if we're still in, you know, you know, wild card contention, whatever, uh, we are going to I, – I do think that the Red Sox are going to try to get as many Chris Sale starts as they can. However, if, you know, Toronto is just going gangbusters like they have been for the last couple of weeks – and it's kind of looking a little bit murky. I could see the Red Sox maybe playing some games with Chris Sale's um, any limits when he starts. But I mean, if if I was in the front office, I'd be just be like Chris Sale, you just go, uh, because yeah. we need you. Uh, yeah. So
2: there is a path to have Ivaldi and Sale start um, eight of the last 16 games of the season. And that started with Ivaldi's start the other day. Now, it sounds crazy, right? Having the two of them start 50% of the games, you're basically going with a four-man rotation. But then when you look at it on the schedule, they would all have, you're not starting anyone on short rest. And in fact, one of those Sale starts would be on five days rest. So it'd be four days rest, five days rest, four days rest. And that would line them up to start The last day of the season if they needed that game and if you know fortunately they had clinched by then then he could pitch in the wild card game two days later um and like i said none of them on short rest i feel like especially with the extra week that he just got unexpectedly that they might try to do that with some shorter pitch counts maybe give him 75 to 80 pitches but try to get him through five innings um on some of those four days rest games I feel like the reason that they have been so tentative with him is, is to have some stretches like this towards the end. And I'm sure that they would need to throw him on four days rest a little bit in October. So I don't know, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I, I think they might give it a shot. Um, I feel like there's a better chance than not at this point, you know, just kind of going all in on this last really just two, two and a half weeks that are left. So uh, side note, Nate Aldi's stats, the, the last seven starts, 1.90 ERA, which is the best seven start span that he has had in any season in his career. He's just been awesome. So it would be really cool if Evaldi and Sale kind of put the team on their back and they get so many of these COVID players back from the IL and... You know, I want to see Christian Arroyo up there in a big spot again. It's been so long since he's been healthy, and then he got COVID as soon as he came back. So a lot of players and it, uh, th- that are coming back, and it seems like, knock on wood, um, hopefully that the worst is over here. I mean, more than half the team's had it at this point, so who else can get it? And hopefully they've gotten everything out of there. So I don't know. I'm sure we could easily see another outbreak this weekend, but hoping that the worst is behind us here and that we can see those pitchers uh, lead the Sox to a playoff berth. All right, looking at some minor league news, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, we mentioned it back in, I think it was early July, when they decided they were gonna actually have a couple of different levels with playoffs, and kind of what the format is, and which teams are still alive, and just go through those teams, because we haven't really looked in the big picture, we've talked about players a lot, we haven't looked at these teams. Shelly, looking at the records, up and down the the minor leagues system with the Red Sox this year uh, a lot of teams with 12 15 20 games over 500 uh, a lot different than two years ago and I think that kind of speaks to the depth of the system and just that they're playing competitive games late in the season just like their big league club is to try to get into some of these uh some of these playoffs in the the levels that do have playoffs
1: uh, yeah, and it's and honestly just looking at the records of just at each individual level. Um, knowing that we are competitive, um, and maybe trying to get into like some of these like uh weird uh playoffs. It's it's extremely encouraging to see. Uh, because when you know in different type of regimes, uh, and different types of um yeah, just different types of regimes. Like, we never really saw a lot of productive um, uh, minor league teams. And just seeing as you could just go up and down, and you see where we're competitive wherever, that has, we haven't really seen that in a while.
2: Yeah, and if if you're winning at each of those levels coming up through the system, then you're in some winning atmospheres, and and, you know, that continues as you move for, further up uh, to go into that detail. You know, the, the only leagues that are really going beyond this week with the regular season are the, the AAA and the Dominican Summer League. Uh, Worcester at AAA is 65 and 49. They're five games back, a Buffalo. So they have two more weeks beyond this week. There isn't actually a playoffs. They just kind of crown whoever has the best record. But that goes into the first week of October. So... Again, five games back, unlikely unless they went on a crazy run to get to first. But a really good record and interesting because players have moved all around with with Worcester, especially everyone getting called up. I mean, the the AAA team was at Boston for about two weeks there. <laughs> yeah, <anyway. laughs> went went to a game in Worcester and none of the Worcester players were there. So. Um, Below that, AA Portland. They're 64-46. and 46. Really good record, but unlikely to make the playoffs. The magic number is down to one. Um, nearly impossible for them to get into the top two. So to explain, in AA, high A, and low A, it's just the top two that are going to play a five-game championship series that would start next week. So Portland was in the mix going into this week, but despite you know that long winning streak that they had last month, uh, that got them to this eighteen games over five hundred. You know, an excellent season, but not quite going to get into that top two. Uh, Greenville isn't going to get into the top two either, but they were sixty four and fifty two, very good season, and they've had a lot of promotions recently coming up from Salem. So they got they've got an exciting team down there, a ton of players to watch um, in the last couple of weeks down in Greenville. Salem uh, seventy and forty six, same kind of thing. Just really interesting team to watch, and they've had some of their first-year player draft. Um, you know, minor league players that have been called up from the short-season rookie league type of ball. So um, looks like they're hoping to get one more week out of this as they have a one-game lead with four games remaining. Uh, the top two make the finals there. They're one game ahead of down east, which is the third place team. And there are a few games behind Charleston, which is the one seed. So if Salem can hold off down east, they would play a five game series that would start next week. Um, it would start next Tuesday where the two seed actually gets the first two games at home. So those games would be at Salem on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then over the weekend, they would travel to the one seed who would get three games at home Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, which would be Charleston as I mentioned so uh, that would be cool if we could get one team into uh, a playoff series down there like I said 70 and 46 really good record uh, the complex league ends this week they uh, the Red Sox had a 36 and 19 record at that level and then the Dominican Summer League which started a little later than everything else has a couple of more weeks they have two teams down there um, the red and the blue that are the red is 24 and 21 blue is 30 and 16 so um, you know just think it's like we said interesting that they have good records and that they might have a team make the playoffs uh, with Salem to be in a championship series Uh, article that I want to talk about a little bit it was in the athletic and we'll link it in the the show notes about Durbin Feltman and Feltman is a player that I think we all had really high hopes for and this article really talked about that um, that I think Feltman really You know, understood the pressure that was on him. People talking about him possibly making um, the league in the first year, helping their bullpen out, or possibly making the team out of spring training in the second year, and was a bit of a disappointment. And this article was interesting in that it chronicled, you know, in quarantine how he took a step back and was able to get away from all of that chaos at the beginning of his career and those expectations that really didn't come to fruition. Um, Talked about how he rebuilt his delivery and rebooted his career with that. And I think early this season had some rough patches, pitching in games for the first time in two years, but now that he's been promoted, um, to worcester after really what was a dominant month and a half at double a he's had a 2.25 era and a 0.90 whip uh, with a five to one strikeout to walk ratio down in worcester so Shelly, i don't know if you were able to look at that a little bit but just generally it seems like he put a lot of pressure on himself and there was a lot of hype and are you still a believer in feltman long term being a, a contributor with the big league squad
1: um yeah I really am. Uh I mean I was all on the the Feltman, you know, hype train after he was drafted. You know, I just thought that just like just like the article said just as everyone has thought that I felt that he was just going to be just on the major league squad extremely uh quickly. Um but you know, he he dealt with some Basically, just walk issues, in my opinion. Like it just, it just wasn't really going well. Um, but this year, he has looked so good. So yeah, I am all aboard the Durbin Feltman train. Um, going into next year, I don't. I, I mean, I don't think that he's going to get the call this year. But yeah, I, I I think that he has a good chance to contribute next year in the bullpen.
2: Yeah, he's one of those guys that had helium early on and then hasn't. And then you realize he's only 24. You know, he was a college arm, but he was drafted in 2018. So 2018, 2019, 2021, this is only the third year that he's pitched in the minors and gone through each of the four levels. And now he's at A and, you know, striking out 9.5 per nine. And as you said, with the walk issues, which were a real issue, you know, the season at AA, over 43 games, he, he walked almost, or, or five and a half guys per nine. That's down to 1.8 since he's gotten a AAA. He's kept the home run rate down to less than a home run uh, per nine and just seems like with a new delivery and a new mindset that um you know he still as he says in the article thinks he can do very big things in the league and um you know it's i am just with a lot of arms that we've talked about this year we haven't talked about feltman a whole lot but he's there and he's pitching well and has a 60 grade fastball potentially on uh, at least that fan graphs has and a 55 slider and a curveball that's 45 50 so he has pitches and out pitches with the slider um, it would be good to see like you said not this year but maybe next year another name to keep in mind that we talked about a lot early on and um, you know fell off a little bit but is back on our radar the baseball america uh, top 100 update came out last week and was interesting to see where some of the Red Sox players are. Tristan Cassius at number 15, really taking a leap for them. Uh, Marcelo Meyer debuting at 29. Jaron Duran is at 37. And Nick York at 64 and kind of talking about the Baseball America one, but also our friends from Sox Prospects released their September rankings and they actually put uh, Nick York ahead of Jaron Duran. So what did you think of these these rankings and do you think that Duran and York are kind of bridging the gap or is that just a, a bigger conversation for another day that's way more complicated, Shelley? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, was, I was very surprised um, that Sox Prospects totally uh, put York above Duran. I mean, I get it because, I mean, Duran, you know, he had a little bit of a run, and he really, really struggled. Like, he looked really bad. They, you know, they weren't using him against lefties, so it's like, does the team really trust him? Da-da-da-da. And York has just been, outside of, like, he scuffled at the beginning of the year, but then he's just been going gangbusters ever since, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, so I I thought that was that that meant a lot uh, to me. I'm like, okay, uh, maybe I really need to buy in more to your what he is doing. Just because, yeah, I I want him to be just amazing. You know, he's extremely young for every single level that he has ever been at, and he's just keep on hitting. He just keeps hitting and it's like I
2: yeah, yeah I mean I so to believe- yeah. oh I'm sorry to cut you off
1: <laughs> no you go ahead I
2: was going to say we talked with Keaton last week uh, but it's worth bringing up again he, he had 6 out of 9 games with 2 hits or more um, going into last week's episode and had a game winning grand slam on one of the games that he didn't have multi hit uh, this is Nick York and that's after getting promoted and that's after getting promoted at 19 years old, the high A, which is just crazy young, you know, very few in the whole league that are that young. It'd be interesting to see how young he is compared to the, to the rest of, of high A. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's had a couple of higher strikeout games this week, but it probably is the first three game stretch that he hasn't dominated in like two or three months. Um, it was that four months in Salem. So I get it. I mean, he's 19 and Duran's 25 and, you know, it's probably an upside thing. And it's probably the power that we're seeing this year that we weren't sure if he was going to be, you know, a gap hitter with a little bit of power, but then you see 470 foot home runs from him you say, Oh, he's got that in his game too. I totally get it. You know, I can I can understand. I think they're kind of right next to each other, uh, with Cassius and Meyer probably a step up from that, right next to each other. Um, but you know, stuff changes every month, and that's what's interesting about debating these different things. So, I get it for sure. Yep. All right, uh, some minor league performances from the past week or two. We'll kind of fire through a few of these, and then we're going to finish up spotlighting a player from. Uh, From rookie ball that each of us uh, wanted to spotlight this week jay groom who we talked about last week since his portland promotion he has now um had another excellent performance took a no-hitter into the sixth inning on saturday night he's now fired 11 scoreless innings over his first two starts with 19 strikeouts and only one walk in those 11 innings um it was interesting talking to keaton because i think that You know he he still is tempering expectations with Groom, and uh, overall kind of has been a little bit disappointed in the season. Which it was it good to hear, kind of a differing view about that. And if you look at his overall ERA, that's in the it was in the high fives going into his last start, can definitely see that side of things. But over the last two or three months, with the promotion handling the promotion so well, I really feel that he knows that this is do or die time for him, and that they're giving him a promotion despite. Uh, a higher ERA to see exactly what they have, and he's really answered the bell so far.
1: Yeah, um, I was encouraged to see uh, the Red Sox actually pointed him because you know he needs to be added to the forty-man this off-season. So uh, going into this season, I didn't think that Groom. Uh, was actually going to be added because there's been so many injuries and just everything that has really hampered his uh, his stats and his, his everything. But the dude has totally um, proved me wrong. Uh, yeah, Jay Groom needs to be added to the forty man this off season, and he has been absolutely killing it this year. And it's I I've just been very impressed with what he's doing.
2: Yeah, and I I think that they would be probably leaning towards that now, and especially with the the 12th pick overall, and they've really put a lot into things with him. Uh, His ERA is now down to 4.66 after uh, two outstanding starts in a row and has 127 strikeouts over 93 innings. And he hasn't... I mean, I think that's more... I can take a look at it, but that is more innings by far than he had thrown at every level. Plus, he had the surgery mixed in. So it's good to see that he isn't breaking down late in the season. Yeah, that's more than he's thrown in all of his other seasons combined with 93. The most he had thrown before that was 44, and that was in 2017. Um, So he's holding up with needing to throw probably about 100 innings if he goes one more start here and maybe that bumps up to 130 or something next year it's good to see that he kind of has has handled that workload hasn't really gotten injured outside the line drive off his foot or something was the only injury they had this year so good to see from him you know it double a 16 strikeouts per nine and, in, uh, in two starts, which is just crazy. Obviously small sample, uh, Connor Wong over the last 30 days, someone I wanted to talk about, I mentioned last week that I had gone to a game in Worcester and that he impressed me as much as anybody looked great behind the plate. Looked like he was, uh, you know, kind of with his blocking and his receiving and with his throws to second major league ready and it's proven that at the plate too over his last 30 days he's hitting 366 with five homers and 15 rbi and is six for seven stealing bags as well he had two homers in tuesday night's game i believe that i saw it was the game tying and game winning homers in the same game you know seventh and eighth inning type of thing uh what do you think of wong and you know do you think possible backup catcher next year? I know they they could bring Plewski back, but it might be that they're ready to hand the keys over to Wong as the as the backup catcher. Kind of not knowing what we're going to do with starter and backup in, in the long term.
1: Yeah, this uh this whole Connor Wong doing things um very recently kind of makes me rethink like bringing back Plewski and stuff like that cuz I mean, yeah. our, our catching situation is a little bit in flux. I mean, I love Vasquez, um, but he's kind of uh, underperformed this year. And Plawecki is just kind of like a guy. But, I mean, if if of Wong can still do this, I think that I would really like him as, you know, the backup catcher. So, yeah, he's basically uh, – he's – He's made it a discussion.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and with Vasquez's contract, I and mean, he's 31 years old now, and I know that they have an option next year of seven million, and that's going to be a, a, a tough decision if they think that there might be someone out there that they could platoon with Connor Wong and they think that he's ready, or maybe they pick up, I mean, you know, $7 is not a whole lot. They could pick that up for one year and see exactly what they have and how he handles a full year, and they have Hernandez as well uh, down there at AA, who has hit for a lot more power recently. Really picked things up after I uh, dumped on him a little bit a month or two back, so they've got a couple of catchers who have just been outstanding down the stretch at the minor league level that, um, you know, I think i'm kind of singing a different tune of what they have in the future at catcher i think a couple months ago especially before as you said vasquez has underperformed a little bit especially compared to the last two years that i would have thought maybe they'd try to give him a two or three year deal not knowing what they have and i'm starting to rethink that a little bit and then two other players tyler dearden and chris murphy we wanted to talk about as well uh shelly where do you want to start do you want to start with your guy murphy what's going on there
1: I guess we'll start with uh, Chris Murphy because that's my dude. I love him. Um, uh, Yeah, it's been a bit of a rough ride since he's kind of like come up to double A. Honestly, I did not expect the Red Sox to promote him to double A, but I was really excited. Uh, But it's really been a roller coaster of a a, a ride here. Um, Yeah. Literally, it's either up or down with this guy um, in Double A, which again, I am totally fine with. Um, the gains that he had made, in my opinion, the gains that he had made in in High A and quote unquote like on his good starts in Double A, I'm fine with. Where really, he is limiting the walks, but he's still getting hit around and stuff like that. I am okay with him kind of getting hit around in double-A because it is a late-season promotion, you know, a different league, whatever. But you still yeah. need to keep your eye out on uh, Chris Murphy. The dude is, had a really good year.
2: Yeah, overall, 8-5, 128 strikeouts and in 101 innings. But the game that we're referencing here is that he gave up six earned on five hits. Um In a third of an inning on Wednesday night, which isn't great because we were originally putting this together a couple days ago and talking about the six shutout innings with two hits allowed and 11 Ks the game before. But then the game before that was five earned in five innings. And the game before that was five earned in four and two-thirds. And then before that, there was a seven shutout innings with one hit allowed. So, yeah, it's been ups and downs. And you're right, it's his first go-around. We didn't even know that he was going to get promoted there to Portland this year. So it'll be good to see how he responds to that and how he does in a full year or at least you know starting the year at double a next year uh and then the other player tyler dearden we just wanted to give a hat tip to because he had five home runs last week and if you look at the high a stats he is tied for um the high a lead in the all throughout the minors with 24 home runs he's also tied for the rbi lead so just an interesting player that we we've brought up here and there, but just crazy stats to look at: seventy-nine RBIs, twenty-four home runs, uh, two sixty-two average, three seventy-two OBP, seventy-one runs. He's played, and that's in ninety-three games. It's not, you know, you got to remember that these are shorter seasons. That they have twenty-four and seventy-nine in a ninety-three game season is really impressive. So I don't know if you had anything to add to that, Shelly, but Tyler Dearden just deserved a hat tip for the outstanding season that he's had at Greenville.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't expect it, and he has performed extremely well. So yes, hat tip to to Tyler.
2: Yep. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap it up with a rookie ball spotlight. Shelley, let you start. Who did you want to talk about this week?
1: Yeah, I, I, I you know, I wanted to kind of bring up um, Edison Polino. You know, he's playing in the Florida Complex League uh, this year, and he is really killing it. You know, he's a 19-year-old, kind of like a second baseman, third baseman kind of guy, Uh, basically majorly playing third base and second base. He's kind of played a little bit of shortstop, but I I really do think that he's either going to be third base or second base. Uh, but you know he has been absolutely killing it this year um you know he is uh striking out about 16% of the time but also walking 10% of the time as a you know 19 year old which is something that you really really want to see he's hitting 339 438 um so he has a 162 weighted unstricated plus uh, it it will be interesting to see how he goes forward uh, you're not really seeing the power you've seeing more of the contact um so if I mean if if he you know transitions to second base that's kind of like the profile that you really want to see because you typically don't see a lot of power from someone from second base but if you're getting all of this contact this really elite kind of eye this high walk rate from a 19 year old that's something that you really want to see you gotta keep your eye out on um, Edison uh, Polino
2: yeah I think that's a great choice it's funny that you bring Polino up I was talking to uh my pal Jared Perkins over works with us at the Dynasty Guru the other day, and he was bringing Perkins up because we were just talking about Red Sox prospects a little bit. He was doing a mini article on um, on the Red Sox, and he wanted to talk about Paulino and mentioned you know the plate discipline that you talked about, and was talking a little bit you know if he grows into the the frame because with a lot of these guys who are down at that level, they can add some weight some strength and might be able to get some home run power down the line doesn't have any home runs like you mentioned but those averages are great i mean he was 339 at the complex league here so in 35 games and 25 runs 13 rbi five steal that that looks great i'm i am hooked in to to watch paulino a little more and hopefully see some video on him in the offseason a similar one for me was uh, miguel blaze who been wanting to bring up for a couple weeks now, but this is a good spot for it. I mean, he turned 17 at the beginning of the season, um, back in March, they gave him 1.5 million signing bonus and really just watching the limited film that they have. Some of the, the early videos that come out when they first signed blaze, you know, he's six foot two, 170, but All the reports say, you know, he could put 30, 35 pounds of muscle. There's just so much projection there for him as someone that was signed at 16 and is only 17 right now. And he's already putting up numbers at 17 years old, albeit in the Dominican Summer League. But he's getting it done and I'm sure we'll move up from there next year. He's hitting 272, is on basis 346. He's got three homers in 27 games, which he's not, you know, that... That's decent that's you want to see a little bit of power and he's showing a little bit of power at, at a, a small size for the moment uh, 15 rbi he's got six bags already um 7.7 walk rate 20 percent k rate and i know that they were really excited about him sending uh you know i see 1.8 1.5 don't know the exact number on that but Baseball America was very high on him. One of the called him one of the top athletes in the entire international class that they had last year. So, just good to see that he's hitting the ball, uh, hitting the ball hard early on, and that the reports have been good. And I know I've heard elsewhere that the scouts have been really impressed by him. That you know even beyond the stat line, that those who have had eyes on him down in the Dominican Summer League have been very impressed. So, I think he's young. He's probably five years away (laughs) maybe six who knows when you're talking about rookie ball and similar with paulino but just a couple of names to think about and you know we haven't talked about the rookie league levels as much as some of the other ones and they've been playing for a couple of months now so we want to get into that and that's about it that we have for this week uh you can reach us on twitter i'm at bob osgood 15 shelly's at shelly b underscore six four three uh shelly anything else anything you want to promote or that you've written recently
1: um that really yeah.
2: all right sounds good thanks for joining us we'll talk to you next week